Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah, a guide through trauma, personal healing, growth, and discovery leading to the ultimate life of joy, mental wellness, and less fear. As a single mother, certified coach in transitional change and adventure, I will share my personal traumas and help you with steps to be free of whatever internal or external chains are keeping you from enjoying this life. My guests and I go beyond the typical conversation as they share their inspirational journeys. And every other week, I bring you my solo episodes where I highlight issues or ahas that I know you are going through too. From relationships, aspirations that have seemed impossible, motherhood, friendships, work, transitions, inertia, depression, my wish is this forum can help you through all of this and more. My mission is to create a supportive community and connection that empowers each one of you to love yourself and believe your right to live boldly. All right, everyone, go grab your journals because I listened to an episode with Jill Wheatley uh, recently. By the way, we were both on a Tough Girl Challenges podcast, too. I started going through your bios and like all the podcasts that you've been on. Um, and I, I can't even like I grabbed my phone and just started putting notes into my phone because I feel like I'm sitting with a soul sister who oh. has lived through so much and what you have overcome and what you are doing now. Uh, I can't wait to be on a mountain with you someday. Like I'm, I'm just like jamming out over here over this. So <laughs> let's, let's dive into your story. And I really want to get, I want the listeners to get to know you, like you, the, the, the soul of Jill, because there's such a beautiful light within you that is your guiding true North that has gotten you to where you are. So could you share us a little bit, share, share your story with us? Sure. Um, I mean, that light has been in the outdoors my entire life, uh, an adventurous spirit. Um, always my my parents led by example, just camping and sports um, kept us busy all the time. Um, after college, I just I was never sure what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be outside. So um, got into physical education because um, that's what I kind of felt I should do, um, you know, I, I wasn't, uh, although I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, if I had to go to college or university, uh, it just made sense to to go into sport. Um, so a little bit of that and then teaching, I just thought, well, if I can combine teaching and physical education, then, you know, that kind of meets all of, you know, the, what, what you need to do as an adult. Stuff in there yet, but the, the, I did get the degrees, but that adventurous spirit um, had me off um, shortly after college, I had an opportunity to go and teach overseas in Singapore. Um, and I haven't been back since. So um, basically, island life in Singapore was a great opportunity. I studied, did a master's degree there, and then um, spent some time in, in traveling throughout Southeast Asia. Um, and then Russia, worked in Russia for a little bit. Then here, I'm talking to you from Switzerland, <clears throat> is where... Um, I, I just I wanted to be in the mountains and I made um, an effort to not 
focus solely on my career, but, you know, finding more balance. Um, and so finding work here in Switzerland, but um, beyond my control, I had to let it go that my visa could just, it they, they wouldn't allow me to stay any longer after uh, three years. But I was th so thankful just down the Autobahn, like three hours away outside of Munich in Germany, um, I got a job in the physical education department. So I was teaching high, middle and high school um, health and physical education, sports science. And uh, it was the first Wednesday in September, the second week of school. Uh, I was teaching a 10th grade class and it was a little bit overcast. I know you can't see out my window, but it kind of like it is here today. Cloudy, but um, not raining at the time. And it just felt like to me, um, a you know, an opportunity to put on a good jacket because that's what good gear is for, go outside. And while my other colleagues, while my colleagues chose to spend, uh, to change their lessons and move indoors into the gymnasium, um, I chose to to go outside. And I have always felt that with my energy and passion, I feel that students really um, pick that up because I, I really do enjoy what I'm teaching. And so, uh, yeah, the second week of school, we had just been starting to work in a unit developing skills of connection. So connecting basically like a racket and a birdie or a, a, a bat and a ball. And this particular lesson was the first time with baseball bats um, and balls. So um, everybody was doing what they were supposed to do. I can actually see it and we can get more to my vision later, but um, it's almost like something that comes from a movie, literally, like I can see the whole experience from a like an, an alder, which like in German is a, an eagle looking down at the field. When it happened, there were three groups of students doing what they were supposed to do as instructed. We, I, I wouldn't have changed, you know, I, I don't feel that anything needed to be done differently. Um, un unfortunately, a ball went in the direction that it was not intended. Um, so basically, somebody was at the equivalent of home plate, I was at the equivalent of third base looking out. Um, and with the speed of a line drive, so doctor, it's estimated around 80 to 90 kilometers an hour, a ball hit the right side of my head. So I was looking the other way, no time to react. Um, I knew immediately that something was really wrong. Um, and I needed help. But at the same time, I was responsible for about 20 16-year-olds. Um, so trying to stay conscious, like, and I mean, that's with what, we, what, what I'll come to later, a brain injury, you know, I can't control that. Right. So from that moment, basically the next four months are quite foggy. Um, and the next few days um, are in and out of consciousness. So what happened I was taken to the local hospital and the typical concussion test that I, I passed, I answered the questions that I, to be honest, I don't remember. I remember um, like the stainless steel of an operating room. I remember green scrubs and a doctor or somebody being right in my face, but not much other than that. And then being in my bed at home. So I lived by myself. Um, you know, that morning I live on a farm. If you, if you think Bavaria, the cows underneath. I'm at the, I'm in the loft. I've got my Subaru downstairs, which I drove to work that day, but earlier I had ridden. There's a, a lake. I had, would have rode about 75 kilometers before work. And then I just have my routine of getting my fitness in, going to work, um, coaching. And, but when I went home, when my, my drove me home, my colleagues from the hospital, because the doctors felt that um, I had passed the test. So 
that was a Wednesday. And on the Friday, I was supposed to be actually coming back to Switzerland for the World Duathlon Championships. So at that time, I was um, extremely fit. Um, I had been training and racing all summer in the Alps for long, so long distance cycling and mountain running. And I only had a black eye, like on the moment of, from the moment, the second of impact, my eye closed and it blew up actually the size of a baseball. And for those listeners watching about the color of my shirt, it was, it was closed. I was at home with what the doctor said, and I'm just a PE teacher, you know, a, a sporty coach at home. Who am I to question the medical experts? So I, in my mind, am going through in and out of consciousness in my own vomit. It's a race this weekend, and it's only a black eye. So I pull it together, like toughen up Wheatley, let's go. And um, the next uh, evening, my friend was actually, he flew, he flew in from the UK. He was going to drive me to the race, um, sort of my support. Um, and, and instead he drove me right back, back to that hospital. So uh, getting back to that hospital, again, my memory is in a note. I do remember being on a stretcher and put in an ambulance. Um, and then I was rushed to a neurotrauma hospital. So uh, one of the very specialized hospitals in Germany that deals with brain injuries, trauma, and so the next four months were in neurointensive care where um, just my black eye has in fact never reopened. My skull had been fractured and my brain was bleeding and swelling. Mm. So I lost 70% of my vision because of it. Um, but also there was so much motor function, cognitive function, all of the PTSD, the sensation, the emotion um, that I spent 26 months between seven different hospitals in three countries before I was able to walk out. I completely changed person um, and completely lost. I had no idea what to do. The only sign that I could see <laughs> literally, uh, I'm sorry, not literally, um, was towards mountains. Mm. And it was mountains because I wanted to be away from society. As I mentioned, I had gone in so fit, so independent, autonomous, you know, the, the two bikes on the roof, am I going to go for a road bike? Am I going to go for a mountain bike? My skis, am I going to go cross country? Am I going to go ski touring? Or am I going to go snowshoeing? I couldn't do this anymore. I couldn't do any of that anymore. My driver's license. I remember the doc, this doctor, ugh, I still get irritated when I think about him. He put a big red X through this document about driver's license. And I just thought, you know what? I can't do all of these things. Well, you know, life is not worth fighting for. Um, I just could not imagine that, uh, you know, well, one, the concept of impermanence, that things could get better. Um, and just that I had lost so much beyond the 70% eyesight. Um, that loss of autonomy was just um, life-changing. And so, so I just wanted to be away from what society was telling me that, you know, all our lives, we, this is what we should be doing, what we should love, should look like, where we should be going, who we should be with. And I just wanted to be away from that all. Society tells us what we should look like. And I look different now. And I know more than anything, like it doesn't, you know, absolutely nothing of what I see in other people has anything to do with what they, their appearance, you know, the way they make me feel and the way, what I want to be remembered for has nothing to do with what I look like. But because of my injuries, you know, in my eye, it's basically like I'm paralyzed. So I can't open and I only see a little bit and have limited movement in my left eye. Um, I 
out like this stares, you know, people staring at me. Um, I couldn't handle that. I didn't, I didn't want to be around that. So I felt that mountains could shelter me a little bit and also provide some perspective. You know, when you think about a mountain um, at its base, um, you know, things may may seem um, crowded or condensed, but then as you move up, you know, it really helps create some perspective. But also you can look at a mountain. I'm looking at right, out the window right here and just think, you know, it could look, oh my gosh, that's, I could never do that. Or you could look at it and say, oh my gosh, like that would be incredible. Like the challenge, it could, appear, it could appear incredibly daunting um, depending on your perspective. It could also create, or you could look at it and say daunting or opportunity. Oh, I, um, okay. So 100%. I love it. <laughs> I just want to stop really quick, but just for a second there, it can seem extremely daunting or you have opportunities through that darkness. There's a quote yeah. that Dr. Edith Eager says, and I use this all the time, Holocaust survivor. And she always says, we all walk through the valley of darkness at some point in our life. Don't set up camp there. And mm. you didn't do that. <laughs> you didn't do that. Yeah. So what, when you're at the pit of the darkness, and I know yeah. I've had different darkness, darkness as well. What was the thing, that one tool that you used that allowed you to start stepping out of that darkness and not set up camp? I think um, recognizing that, perspective gave me a choice. If I I remember specifically in a a hospital room in Colorado, where I could see the Rocky Mountains and, um, and my Dr. Smith at the time telling me that, you know, they were putting this court order on me for six months that I, you know, I had no choice in what medication I was going to be on, what food I was going to be, what treatments I, um, because my life was, they said, if I, if I didn't cooperate, I'd be dead in three days. Like if I, cause I was pulling out the tubes that were feeding me, that were giving me the medication, they were, they were keeping me alive. And I went and I, I this moment specifically thinking if I don't choose to cooperate, I'm, I'm not going to get out of here. And I just remember with the little vision. So I have 30% of my eyesight, but I could see the Rocky mountains and, and ironic. Now I feel that I, I just want to, I, I, I won't use the language, but I just wanted to be in those effing mountains. Like, yeah. and, and, and at that time, and, and I remember him questioning, Oh yeah, Jill, what are you going to do? Like, like, and I said, I'll figure it out. And there's so many things recently that I'm feeling like I'm coming back to that come back to me. Like I recently wrote about um, another doctor who told me that um, this is my Everest. Like this, you know, we, he, he just, he made such an effort to having just met me, but to connect my passions, to do his research, to do his homework, to make a connection that, that drew me in. Um, and you know, he was talking about mountaineering and, um, you know, you, you know, but we can't say now that nobody climbs alone, but we work in a team and everybody has their role, their responsibilities. And, um, and I'm part of that team. So yeah, there's lots of things that now, um, are kind of coming around full circle. <laughs> Did you have people that, but, uh, but in terms of doctors, were doctors like you're never going to get better? You this isn't. What are? You? Did you have d- people that doubted you that stuck those little pieces of doubt within your mind, within your heart that you're you're just not going to be able to do this? Um, I don't. I don't feel like at the time um, they that anyone relayed that message to me. It was definitely me believing that 
um, they were against me because I felt I was going to figure this out all by myself. Like I didn't need these tubes. I didn't need this medication. I could figure it out in the mountains. Um, but since then, um, after in, in Colorado, so long story, but the last seven months were in, in treatment, uh, healthcare facilities in Denver. And there's a rule they, they, the doctor can't be in touch with you basically for two years after just legally. Um, but that, that time has now passed and I've had so many doctors, I've been actually back to thank them. Um, but the number who have written in messages or, um, along following along on my website and social media that have said, we didn't think you were going to walk out of there. You know, they didn't lead that, lead me to believe that, but as professionals and seeing the state that I was in, um, now they're my biggest cheerleaders and they are definitely what I think about when I'm standing on top 8,000 meter peaks. Oh my gosh. So d- were there broken promises or empty promises that were put your way? Oh, when you oh yes. Or, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Sorry. Sorry. I'm, I'm getting too far ahead in the, no, um, it's all good. the first months. Um, there was so much frustration, so much anger. It was because brain injuries have no timelines, but you could not tell me that I was very, um, data driven. Um, I like organization. I like Excel spreadsheets. Um, I've learned to let go, but coming, coming back to your question, those early days in, in Murnau in the neurotrauma hospital, the goalposts just kept getting pushed. And that's exactly what I felt. They were false promises. Two more weeks, two more weeks, two more weeks. And that was because with brain injuries, or sorry, with the brain injury, once they had done the MRI and recognized that with the fracture and the bleeding and the swelling, you know, that's what they were focused on. They let go of the fact, uh, or they, they didn't completely let go, but they didn't focus on the eye itself. Mm-hmm. They were focusing on the brain, but in fact, it was the connection that led, led to me losing my vision. So, um, and that's just with every push of those goalposts, with every false promise, I just felt like my hope was deteriorating and dwindling. And then basically just in a dark boss where, um, yeah, I had no hope, no light. And, um, I didn't want to wake up to see another day. You know, I didn't want to get better because not the way life used to be. And that's the only way I could see living. Right, right, right. What brought you back to your hope? What, what brought you back to that? What was the what was the seed? Um, I think coming back to that, recognizing that it was my choice, that it was up to me. I had a choice to to stay in that darkness or do something about it, to start cooperating with with the doctors and recognize that what they were doing was actually, in fact, because they wanted to see me get back out on my feet. It took, I mean, now it's, it's taken years and I think I've made a, the most progress probably in the last two to three years, but to see the lessons that have come of it and that, you know, everything I've, I've learned and how I've grown from that shift in perspective to moving away from what I had lost to what I've actually gained and grown from, from, uh, from adversity, um, you know, shift, shifting in, in, in with respect to, you know, the losses to what I've gained, but, but also um, shifts with respect to sharing and opening up and starting to talk about it. Because like that first year when I was traveling, it was like this all the time, like never, ever trying to talk to anybody. And it just took the right person to um, kind of, in I guess, 
some polite curiosity and help me shift to see the way that um, I can help other people by sharing like just a little bit of, of vulnerability and, and um, people really connect to that. And I guess coming back to, to the power of perspective and um, I mean, not every human is going to connect to traumatic brain injury, vision loss, eating disorder, and all of the cognitive and motor stuff that I've been through. But every human, you know, every human oh. connects to adversity. Mm-hmm. We've all got a diff- different shit. And for so long, I was caught up in that shame and that, you know, feeling of unworthiness because I'm so flawed. It's the, you know, all of these Girl, okay. (laughs) I'm going to stop right because I like your spirit, Jill, your light is unmatched. And (laughs) there's, I, when I hear people say that, and I've said it myself, I'm flawed. Who's ever going to want me? Look at what I've been through. You know, the, the crap that I've had to go through the, the baggage that I bring. And in reality, all that all that you've done, which is just the most beautiful, remarkable thing is that you've lightened your load along the way. Right. And so your light that comes from within as you are lightening your load is it's so beautiful. And I, I facing that shame and being able to counteract it with fear, self-compassion and self-forgiveness, that's the journey. That's the climbing of the mountain and getting to the top and seeing that standing on that summit and looking out in perspective and saying, Oh my God, like, look at this, look at the shit that I've had to walk through to get up here and look at the load that I've lightened and look at the beauty of this world outside of this incredible experience that yes, I had to live through. It's, I would climb every God blessed peak with you. I mean, truly (laughs) every peak I'd climb with you because your light is so beautiful. And for those of you listening also, like, please look at yourself in the mirror and see your light too, because it's so important for us to do. It's so important. So yes, I, I, I commend you every step that you have taken along this journey. Are you looking to bring a little more happiness into your life or want to learn how to step outside your comfort zone? Guess what? Our digital downloadable programs are only $39 just for a limited time. Go grab Unstuck and Free, How to Live Outside Your Comfort Zone, filmed in the mountains of Southern California, Mount Baldy to be exact, my favorite mountain, or go grab Seven Steps to Happiness. This is filmed on the High Sierra Loop in Yosemite National Park. Incredible, incredible visuals. These programs will take you to that next step and rise you into living your best life. Use the coupon code LIVEBOLDLY at checkout, L-I-V-E-B-O-L-D-L-Y. Go grab them, sarahshiltoncrans.com, underneath more and digital programs. And, and, you know, we talk about journey and and with that, with acceptance, but, and I feel that a lot of reference and in therapies refer to like the cycle of acceptance and by no means to anybody out there, like, you know, the, the anger, the denial, the aggression, I've been through all of that. And it's not like it's over. And this is fantastic. Like I have days and that's why I have chose, or one of the reasons I have chosen, um, to share light. And, and I talk a lot about shining light on perspective and possibility, but also it took me only an, it, it took me until two years ago, um, probably this month to actually 
start using social media because I could shift my perspective to see how I can actually use it as a tool to help other people. It's got so many flaws, so much if you choose to see it that way, right. but I'm choosing to use it as a tool that I can relate to other people. So I'm going to talk about the fact that I had a really shitty run yesterday, or I'm feeling super overwhelmed, or nobody's, I'm never going to have another boyfriend, or blah, 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 blah. Like, I'm going to talk about that stuff because it's real. If I'm authentic, I'm being vulnerable. And at first, yes, it can be scary, but I get so much more connection from people I know, people I don't know, strangers, because not the specifics that I'm referring to, whether it be the frustration because I missed the bus because I can't drive anymore and my public transportation makes it really difficult, but they have their own shit, whether it be a relationship or their struggles at work or, a, you know, cancers, uh, COVID, everybody's got their own shit. And so when I share authentically, and that's what I, how I'm choosing to use social media to talk about the storms and to share that stuff from like literally life's mountains, but also it's not, you know, I'll share the storms or the times, the nights that were like in minus 35 and it's like a windstorm on Delagari. That's, and I can connect that to real life really easy, um, going through life storms and they pass. Like I'm living this mountain analogy, but in literally and figuratively, um, because I've chosen to heal along with mother nature and the mountains. And that's just led me up to some of the highest places in the world now. That's a long-winded statement. <laughs> I love this because here's the thing is that, and I, and I, I explain this to people all the time. I mean, I remember putting my story out there for the, for the very first time I wrote it in a blog post. Literally, this is what I did. I wrote it in a blog post, had never shared this one part of my story ever with anyone publicly, put it into a blog post, posted it, shut my computer, went and climbed a mountain, literally got to the top, went, okay, well, it's out there. I'm sure people are reading it right now. It'll be interesting to see what I get when I come off this mountain. And I came off the mountain expecting, I don't know what I was exactly expecting, but I thought I would have more criticism. And all I received was, all I received was support. And wow, I've been there before thank too. You. Thank you for sharing your story with me. And I didn't know that part of it. And I think that's the important, that's the really important part of all of this as well, is that secrets do kill. And so we secrets need to be sick. able, they keep us sick, exactly. And we need to be able to share because that's how we also relate to other people, right? We we relate so much in our, more in our differences also it's at times than we even do our similarities. The point is, is though, even the, in the differences, we have a common thread. And that common thread is that we've all suffered. I don't care who you are. We have all suffered in some way. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's such a beautiful, uh, the mountains are such a beautiful metaphor. So where are you climbing right now? Exactly. Because a girl wants to know. <laughs> um, so I am currently in Davos. So in, in I'm in Switzerland, just training right now. So um, I've done seven of the 14, 8,000 meter peaks within the last year. Um, and my most recent one was in April in, um, on Annapurna, Annapurna one. And, um, I actually got quite sick on that one. So I decided I need to take some time off, um, and get myself better. I had pneumonia, um, and was set scheduled my blueprint. Life doesn't always go the way we planned. So I just use the term blueprint, erase it, um, 
flexible mindset, very important. Um, and decided, no, I'm, I'm not going to go right to Everest. Um, and that, uh, I chose to, to pause my project and to come here to Switzerland where I have a beautiful place that my friends, um, allow me to stay in the mountains. So I'm working on, um, yeah, just rebuilding my physical strength, uh, running in the, running mostly in the mountains and, um, and doing some writing. So that's keeping me very busy for now, balancing so physical and mental health. Well, and that's, and that's, that's necessary. That's key. And so what is your ultimate goal? Um, so originally, um, ultimate goal that, uh, I, I guess there's not a physical because I, I don't, I just want to continue to, to shine light on the power of perspective and what is possible. Um, I mean, I have this project, um, but it's not a, a life goal. And like I said, blueprints, because I had outlined to climb all 14, 8,000 meter peaks. So the 14 highest mountains in the world, a blueprint over last year and this year. And life happens. I got sick and I need to take a time out. So I'm taking a step back and um, I don't have sponsorship at all. And climbing 8,000 meter piece is extremely expensive. Um, so uh, I, yeah, I'm uh, taking a time out for help, but also to kind of reevaluate if, if continuing is the best thing right now um, with respect to, to um, finances. But I have, lots of I'm finding opportunity in that with respect to my training and working on um, more technical skills that uh, you know I came into mountaineering quite backwards um, with respect to to what I'm doing and most people um, who are climbing have much more experience than I do um, my my mountaineering kind of evolved from taking a year to to wander in the in 13 different massives around the world with mother nature um, and you know, within three years, I'm climbing 8,000 meter peaks. So now I'm, I'm thinking more of working on my technical skills. So I'm really just focusing on the, the rock and systems. Um, I'm leading on ice and I want to develop that further and maybe integrate more skiing. So skiing and ice climbing, and then hopefully maybe work towards some qualifications where I can actually help others who may not think um, what is possible actually is. In other words, maybe people have some difficulties or um, uh, different abilities and don't imagine themselves out in the wild. But if I could help get them into wild places, I think that'd be pretty wild. <laughs> so do you ever feel stepping into this space that you do you ever have imposter syndrome? Do you ever have that saboteur that comes up? Because I know for myself as well, I'm 49, right? Turning 50 this year. And I didn't get into mountaineering. I haven't, I didn't get into any of this climbing until gosh, probably like four or five years ago is when I really started getting into it. And I remember being out there and looking up and thinking, oh my God, what am I doing here? Like how, like, why am I here? Right. So have you ever had that? And what tools did you use to overcome it? Um, I definitely struggle with imposter syndrome. Um, hundred percent. And I think that was something um, that was something before the accident. I, I don't even like the word accident, serendipity, the, 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 the day my life trail changed direction. Um, right. But yeah, I, I definitely feel uh, just that, sh that coming back to that shame or not being enough, not being worthy. Um, but then when I'm doing some of the climbing that I'm doing, um, I feel, yeah, at, at, especially at the beginning, but now not as much. I think the more experience I have, and I think it's really important who you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. So um, if I'm, I, I'm 
choosing to climb with people who um, who value me, who want to help and see me learn. And, um, I think that makes an, a huge difference with respect to confidence, um, and, uh, skill development on the mountain. So I think, yeah, the, the vibe of your tribe is especially important and, and definitely helps with the imposter syndrome. What is the most important, most influential thing that you've learned about yourself through this journey, through this space, as you've been climbing and, really diving into your also your your physical mental emotional spiritual space what's one of the biggest lessons yeah. you've learned the biggest lesson for sure is that i have a choice no matter what life throws at me i have i might not have a choice with respect to what happens i didn't have a choice that a baseball hit me in the head and made me sorry and i became visually impaired i didn't have a choice to have a traumatic brain injury but i do have a choice how i respond to it so I feel that that is just um, sort of in the back of my mind all the time. You know, I have an idea for the day, the weather changes that well, I have a choice. I choose how to respond to it. So I think you can actually um, apply that to, to pretty much everything all day, all of the time. You know, we choose our response. I've learned a lot to let go of what I can't control. I can't control the way people act, the way people treat me, I, but I can choose how I respond to that. Right, right. And closely behind is impermanence. Just, you know, the, the, just really embracing the fact that nothing, you know, the only constant is change. And, you know, we can't say, oh, you know, like the doctors were saying this and this and this, um, we can't promise anyone it's going to get better. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. But because like the amountains, you know, it's, um, things could be going really well, but they can also change really fast. So just embracing that and trying to remember that I can't control it. Yeah. So you mentioned serendipity that it was that this moment was a serendipitous moment. Yeah, for sure. Do you mind if we go back to the moment? Because I really believe like the thing about journeys and then destinations, I actually love the micro moments. Those are the Mm. moments I love, like having the micro moments here right now with you. Do you mind if we go back to that? Is that okay? No, not at all. Okay. So you're, you're hit with this ball. Do you know, I want to also go back to the person, was it a child that hit the ball? 16 year old boy, 17, maybe 16, 17 year old boy. Do you know who it was? Yep. Have you, the the reason I, I, this is going to help listeners. And so if it's too much, just please, I'll stop. Have you had the conversation with him about what happened? No, I haven't. Actually, it took a long time for me to to really think much of it. And the only thing, um, I, I don't feel like I'm avoiding it or avoiding him. But if there was ever a message to get to him, it would be to to be that I hope that he would be happy and proud of the choices that I've made. What I've chosen to do again, coming back to choice with, you know, something that he never, um, ever intended to do. He changed somebody's life in a way that he'll never know. He'll never truly understand. But if he sees the headlines and I, and I don't mean that like in a look at me kind of way, but if he sees, looks at my website or in social media, where he sees what I've chosen to do, despite what life threw or hit at me, um, I hope he can smile and and have absolutely, you know, maybe some pride in his PE teacher like he used to. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I have you. So, so what I'm hearing from you is that you've worked through the forgiveness piece of what is there happening. was never there was never, ever anything. I don't feel like 
I need to forgive. Like it's because it's not, it's not something that I ever held against him. I don't feel he was responsible for it. I don't feel like he did something wrong. Never. Like I actually feel more empathy for him. Like imagining how he feels like 16 year old kids are cruel. Like kids are so friggin' mean. And, you know, initially, maybe those first couple of days when they didn't know the seriousness of it, maybe it was, oh, he, you know, he, he hit Coach Wheatley. Um, but then, like, then things got really serious and the whole school knew and um, obviously school community. And so imagining what he's going through, like, and, and that's where I just feel there is such a significant difference between sympathy and empathy. Like, yeah don't feel sorry for me. Try to feel with me. Like, how is he feeling? That's a whole lot of shit to deal with knowing that you've changed somebody's life, a brain injury. You know, you don't recover from a brain injury. You're never going to recover or go back to the person that you were before. For me, I'm thankful for that. Now the word recovery, like, I don't want to go back to that person because these lessons of impermanence of choice of you know, perspective, possibility. I wouldn't have learned these any other way. These are lessons because of my traumatic brain injury. And so, you know, I, I don't wish, you know, or, or want to go back to, to recover, rather be thankful for where I'm at and for that. I've been able to see, to shift my perspective, to see the lessons that I can actually learn and take away and hopefully help some other people. Well, and help him right? Like to be able to to blaze a trail for something that was completely unintentional. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so, thank you for letting me go to that spot because what you just spoke is going to resonate with a lot of people. Uh, It's things happen, right? Like we unintentionally hurt other people. We unintentionally do things that, that if we knew the outcome, we would never have, have done it. Right. And what a lesson, what a beautiful teacher that you are far beyond that field that day to be able to share this, right? And to guide others along the way. What a mentor. Oh, thank you. <laughs> what I love is is being connected now with some of those students and, and people from the school community that um, have continued to follow along and, and see the progress that I've made because I scared a lot of people for a very long time. Yeah, well... And you've inspired many, many more. So there you go. I hope so. (laughs) Oh my God, are you kidding? It's just (laughs) wild. So I want to ask what's next for you? Uh, Let's dive into with these last few moments. What's next for you? Um, And when I say that, I'm going to, I want to go a little deeper than the adventure, Jill. I want to go into the, the woman, the, the, uh, the entrepreneur, because that's what you are. Uh, the writer, the blogger, the, yes, the adventure as well, but like you to a soul space, what's next for you? Um, I really aim to stay present, um, to not, you know, to really, I've really learned, like I mentioned earlier about letting go and not, you know, getting caught up in what ifs or what might happen rather than just staying present and really embracing the moment. Like it, for some people, I might drive them crazy that I don't have these plans, but like two weeks ago, um, when I realized I wasn't going to be able to go to Pakistan to climb, um, you know, I just pick up, I'm going to go to Switzerland and I have this, um, this, again, this flexible mindset, 
Um, that being said, um, if I turn the computer around today, so I, I don't have things. I don't have, th I have lots of sunglasses. I have some climbing gear and ski gear. If you saw my my place in Kathmandu. So I have a room in Kathmandu and it's just like an explosion of a gear shop. I don't have things, but Sarah, I have stories. And over here, over here is 25, 25. I just counted them this afternoon. I made a story about it. 25 journals. So from the time of my accident in hospital in Murnau, um, my friends, um, a couple of friends from work would come and visit. I was not very nice to them, but they would still come and they would um, make sticky notes beside my bed. Um, Jill saw this doctor. Her headache was a nine. She's got this therapy tomorrow. She vomited this many times. And eventually I came because I couldn't remember things. Mm -hmm. So I, I became somewhat dependent on it, but then I began to take it over myself. And so that became a daily journal today. Like I said, I started to travel. So once I got out of hospital, chose to travel for one year, yesterday was day 2,191, five years. And I have a journal, 25 journals every single day. I write from those sticky notes and the sticky notes are here. So if I chose, I could probably put them into some form of a book. I would, I would love that. I'm just saying hand up. Yes, please. <laughs> I started looking at it. I was lying on the floor today. I just started looking at one. I couldn't uh -oh. get through them. I was, I just look at how angry, how frustrated I was. I was not nice, like cursing the doctors in there and writing down everything they made me eat and, oh, so anyway, I've got some, I, I've got ideas, but I, I find it really overwhelming. Like we've been talking for 47 minutes and, you know, we've only barely touched the barely surface, touched the my, surface. My, my story. So um, one of my friends the other day, he said, uh, I think you've got something like a trilogy about, of, he re referenced Lord of the Rings or something like that. Um, and I'm like, yeah, there's there's a lot that could could go in and a whole bunch of interesting characters that I'm so thankful to be part of my story. <laughs> well, I think that's the beauty of it, right? Like, listen, I I think you just dropped a nugget right there about a book. Uh, and I <laughs> love that because I was here to listen to it. Um, and I <laughs> the same thing. So when I, there's a couple of things. When I was climbing Mount Baldy a couple of weeks ago, for some reason, I keep hearing in my head, you need to go to Nepal. You need to go to Nepal. You got to climb a bigger mountain. And that's how it is for me. I have this, this longing, right? And I can't, I can't fully explain it. And I'm sure you probably will understand because you're, this is you too. It's like this, it's like this flame, this longing to do more. It's not about the things I sold my, my 4,200 square foot house and moved the kids into 800 square feet. And we got rid of everything. I mean, I have a dining room table underneath an expensive dining room table that's in storage. And that's pretty much left of what, of what I have. Right. And the only reason I have that is because I love, I love the whole significance of, of family dinners. Right. And like Thanksgiving dinner and all of that. But I got, I stripped down. I've got, I'm the same way. I've got nothing. I mean, and, and that's the beauty of it. I don't want to have the things I want to create the memories, those micro moments. And so for me, I have this, like this desire to go climb an 8,000 meter mountain. Like this is just like, this is just my thing. The big, a big, big mountain. Right. And, 
I'm climbing up Mount Baldy and I get to the top of Mount Baldy and I see the flags. There's somebody left the flags of Nepal up there, flags. right? And the prayer flags. And I saw those and I went, oh, dear God, I guess that <laughs> doing this. Like literally that was my sign. That was my, oh, dear God. Okay, well, here we are two years. This is what I'm going to do. I'm now going to shove all my stuff into storage and go just go travel because you're right. It's not about the things. It's about the memories, the experiences, the relationships, the people you meet along the way, those moments that like you can sit with a stranger and cry and you can laugh with somebody that you've known forever. And you can sit on a bed and eat cake, like with just a bunch of new people. <laughs> that's that to me is the living. That's, that's the beauty of it. And I really do hope, this is my hope that you take all of those and you put it into a book because that's such a legacy to have. Thank you. To be able to see the anger, right? To be able to experience that anger and to have the frustration and the just like, I can imagine for myself, it was wanting to take my own life and say the hell with it. This is, I don't want to be in this anymore. And then to be able to be on top of a mountain and look out and get that perspective, there is just nothing more beautiful. So yeah, I encourage you. It's not as bad as you think. I've done it. <laughs> Writing a book. It's hard because I didn't write really before. Um, but now I'm, I'm doing quite a bit more, but it takes me so long to articulate because I want to create the picture exactly as it was. And anyway, um, I do enjoy it. It just, uh, it takes time. And right, right now, this could be a good time. Have you anticipated? Have you tried? And this is what I explained to my clients too, because it's hard for me to write because I've, you know, through my emotional, through my PTSD, I, I went through some trauma brain and it's, it was hard for me to sit and write um, and to, to do that, right. To like take the words and put them down onto the page. And so I just started using my voice through my phone and just started saying them and saying them yeah. for some reason was different than going through the process of the writing them. Maybe try that. Yeah. And, and that's where I feel I do that sometimes as well. Um, the journaling, like the journaling is just for me. Um, but now that I have it, I could piecing it together should <laughs> the shoulds of the should. what society the should it part. should be really easy. <laughs> the should part. The should part. Should well, on the should. Well, exactly. I'm so <laughs> I'm so honored to have had you on this podcast. I you, uh, when we started, I told you that uh, I have this friend Sean Cheshire who she went on my retreat. She's blind and she went on my retreat and then she also we guided her through, um, I was honored to do this, to guide her through the Grand Canyon. And we set the women's record rim to rim to rim and broke the man's in 24 hours and 15 minutes straight climbing that canyon. And to be around insp inspiring women like you is just, it's the greatest gift ever. It's the greatest gift Thanks ever. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you. Is there anything else that you would like to leave our listeners with? Um, no, just that, you know, I, I feel by sharing my story that if, you know, if anyone is, is, um, has questions or feel like they're alone, their, their struggle is not worth sharing or, um, you know, that's that struggle with shame that I just, I, because I, you know, when I go back to that time of anger and, and the news and, 
um, you know, I didn't want to hear other people's stories. I didn't want to to be told everything was going to be okay. Um, and so I'm I'm really reluctant to to share anything like that. But I what I I, I just want people to know, like, you're not alone, and reach out, like, please, just it, it's not brain injury, it's not vision loss, but you all, everybody has their shit. Please, you know, if I can even just listen, you know, that's when I talk about perspective and possibility and. And the reason I choose to share is because I, I choose to see it as a way that I can help other people. So that's what I want to do. (laughs) The thing you said that I started this podcast with was my trauma set me up for what's possible. Take the lessons and apply them. And that's one of the ways that I want to, that I want to end this because I know in my own self too, look, I, I feel like, yes, life hands us these really, really hard times. And I would never wish on anyone what I went through. Never. Mm -hmm. It was the worst, most difficult, dark, awful thing to have walked through that trauma. It was so, so hard. That said, on the flip side of it, it's also really empowering to be able to take those things that have really become now become the foundation of what is possible and being able mm-hmm. to apply and implement those lessons in the real, the, I don't even call it the real world. To me, like the society is just like whatever, but to be able to apply them out there, I commend you for, for, for using everything that you have walked through yourself to become the woman that you are today. It's okay. the, the coolest journey that whole unbecoming <laughs> to become, right. And never ending. It's never ending. Well- I, I think just relating to what you said and where I'm at, like my struggles taught me about strength. So for that, I'm super thankful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, um, could we please go climb a mountain together? Sure. <laughs> you said you might come to Switzerland, right? I, I will go wherever. I literally, I have, I have two years left. Uh, my, my, my son, my youngest son is 16. He's a sophomore in high school. Um, and then when he's out We're connected now, so, oh, we are I'm so connected. in the U S later in the summer. You are awesome. I, I could end up in Aspen, um, when my visa runs out. Oh, I, I will, I will go wherever I love, I love, <laughs> I love Well, it. we're connected. We'll be in touch. <laughs> I share that stuff on social media. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find you? Could you, um, drop that? Yeah, so for sure, please. Um, my website is called Mountains of My Mind. Um, and then all of my social media. So I'm most active on Instagram, which Mountains of My Mind is too long. So it's at MTNS, short form for Mountains of My Mind, M T N S O F M I N D. And then Facebook, I have a page, uh, Mountains of My Mind or Jill Wheatley. Um, YouTube, I'm trying, I do this all by myself, all along, like independently. So I trying to keep up with the writing and the technology. Um, but for, for most like day to day, uh, what is it like to live with visual impairment? For sure. Check out Instagram. Um, I'm most active there. Well, thank you for being here. I really enjoyed it so much, Sarah. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the live boldly podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm grateful to have you here. I believe in you, I believe in us, and always will. Life can get hard, but I promise you, on the other side, it's glorious. 
I'd love to invite you over to sarahsholtoncranz.com to receive five free meditations recorded by me or download your free guide on how nature is your perfect healing therapy. My site has many free resources to guide you on your life journey, many that I used myself while on my road from victim to thriver. And also, please, I ask that you share my podcast with those who may need inspiration, information, or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review and subscribe, go find it on other platforms such as iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please also go to my Instagram or Facebook page, leave a message in my comments, and tell me what you think of this episode. Please share in your stories and tag me. I'd love to reshare and celebrate your healing journey. I love hearing from each one of you. Let's keep the ripple going. It begins with each one of us. I love you and have a great day. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.